Welcome to the City View Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. What's going on, y'all? How are we doing today? Good. Oh, the energy is low at the 9 a.m. How are we doing today? A tad better. I love that. Hey, uh, it is still hot out. What is going on, right? I literally don't understand. Uh, I thought we were out of the 110s, but uh, here we are, you know, in September, just trying to, you know, run it back. You know, why not? Just keep it uh, hot, stress out the AC systems. We love it. Ours went out for the second year in a row. Uh, And uh, I pray for all the AC units. We just got like, what, one more day, and then we're golden. So prayers up, prayers for all the AC units. In Jesus' name, amen, right? All right, so Paradox of the Cross, if you don't know, my name is Jared. I am not the lead pastor. Uh, That would be my man, Jeremiah. Can we please give it up for our lead pastor today? So just so you all know, our uh, staff is going to be doing uh, a, I would say maybe a select few of them. I'm not sure who all is going, but they're going to be planning for 2024. So everything about uh, what we're going to do with a series, just getting away to hear God's voice to Uh, where does God want to take our community next, right? So um, be in prayer for them. So Jeremiah's got a head start up there uh, just to kind of get really focused. So uh, again, keep the team in prayer. Uh, We definitely put a lot into these series. What is God saying to our people, et cetera, et cetera, right? So uh, what I'm gonna do today is uh, a really quick roadmap for you. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna tell you a story where you're like, what does this have to do with anything? We give you a roadmap, a problem, and a solution. So let's do this. Let's pray. And then I got a story I would love to tell. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you so much for uh, just the writer of the song, Gratitude. What an amazing song. Uh, Lord, it was just amazing hearing uh, our church just really uh, see that. Just It just moves us. You can tell as a people. And uh, I just thank you. We, like, we literally can't say enough. We, there's not enough thank yous for all the things that you've done for us and continue to do. And so I pray, Lord, as we dive into this text, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would decode even the things that I say uh, to give wisdom to each and every person here. Uh, the topic we have today is, is super interesting, not talked about a lot, but I think will be super helpful. And so, Lord, I just ask that, uh, Holy Spirit, you would uh, meet us here today, and I pray that you would provide healing and restoration, as Paul talks about, in our church, our relationships, anything that is broken. Uh, I pray that you would be the mender of all things. We love you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Have you ever gone to a place that has very limited parking, and on your way there, you're mildly stressed, will I find a spot? Anyone like me? So there is a restaurant that I loved to attend prior to being married, uh, because I just, we, I just, we, we are... My wife is just, she throws down, y'all. So anyway, uh, I am going to this restaurant, and there is not a lot of parking. So every time I go there, I am thinking about the limited parking. Will I find a spot, right? So I'm going down, and you know when you see car, 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 but then in a distance, you're like, I think that's a spot. The joy of the Lord comes upon your soul. And then it's a motorcycle, right? You're just like, it's, oh yeah, you know, it's a motorcycle, right? Uh, but this time, I saw the spot in the distance. I, I sought it out. I go, boom, blessings today, right? So I go, I go to round the corner, and there I find the person on the right 
with possibly the worst park job I've ever seen. So much so that to fit in this spot was nothing short of Tetris, right? And I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm like, do you not realize that there is no parking here? Like, why are you being so selfish? I'm so frustrated at this person that I don't know. Because it's like, yo, can you like, at least, like, I'm just thinking of all the narratives and bad things about this person, right? So I'm a little heated going into this restaurant. So I'm just thinking about it. I'm like, whatever, cool. Like, I can't wait to get this food, right? So now this door, their front door has a glass door. So you can see through. So then I see that there's about four people uh, at the cash register. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to get in line, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm thinking about this. I open the door and all of a sudden, uh, there is a guy walking out who uh, is walking really, really slow, who has some food to go. And uh, I, because of like just a, a value that I have is I love showing reverence uh, to those that are older, right? Because I think about, man, when I'm, I'm of a certain age, like I want to be helped, like who knows? Like I already got an intestine disease now, have no idea what it's gonna be when I'm 80, right? So I, I like to show like that respect, that kindness, the, the reverence there. See this gentleman, he's walking towards the door and I'm like, I'm gonna hold this door open for this guy, right? Now upon d- like a, a deeper look, uh, this man is very uh, handicapped, uh, I don't know what he's got going on in his life and what's, what's plaguing him from a health perspective, but he's walking really slow. Um, he is like, he, he, he's having challenges, but the countenance on his face from me opening up the door is nothing short of like God's smile, right? He, he just, his countenance is so kind and you can tell from a distance he's so thankful, but he wanted, to get, he wanted to get closer before he told me. He gets to like close to the door and he's like, hey, sir, like, thank you so much. And I'm like, hey, my pleasure. Like, absolutely, you know, wish him a great day. And then I was just, you know, serotonin's boosting in my soul, right? I got endorphins going. I'm feeling good about myself. And I'm like, man, it's a good day. So now we've gone from four people to two people in the, in the, in the line by the cash register. So I get my, my place in spot. And then I go and I sit there and I'm like thinking about what I'm going to get. And then all of a sudden dawns on me. I'll bet you that guy that drove that truck was that guy. And so I go, oh, I'm going to turn around. I'll see what happens. I got to see what happens. So I turn around and there he was getting in his truck. And it was, and I like had a knife go through my heart. And I was just like, turn back around. I go, Jared, what is wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You made up all this narrative about a person, but now that you have extra data about the person, the situation, I'm going, dude, praise God you got out. That's amazing, man. Like, yo, you got out of the house. Like, forget how you parked. Like, you got out of the house. That's awesome. I want to do that when I'm older, right? And so all of a sudden, just a little bit more information changed my paradigm, but God and I still knew what was in my heart, right? And so something Andy Stanley says that's always impacted me, and and take note, if you uh, are in any type of relationship, work, you you work, whatever the the space is working with people, there's a, a, a wise thing he said that's changed my life forever. And he says, there's always going to be a gap between what you expect people to do and what you get. There's always going to be a gap. Any managers in the house that can feel that with me, right? There's a gap between I expected this, but I got this. And then he says this, but you get to choose what you fill that gap with. 
You can fill it with distrust, bitterness, skepticism, anger, whatever the thing is, which is never good for the relationship, or you can choose to fill it with trust. Might I add good faith? Might I add believing the best, etc. Now I tell that story to illustrate an easy moment, if you will, in time for my life where not only did I, uh, did I really assassinate someone's character in my mind, but then I got data right away to prove me otherwise. But that's really a moment that, that isn't actually that, that, that often happens. Uh, in addition, I'm never going to see that person again, so it's very easy, I would say. But what happens when you have those moments among people you do life with all the time? Or should I say, what happens in those moments when you have misunderstandings among other believers? You see, what I've learned is, is one of the most common things that break relationships, cause division, create hurt, is simply misunderstandings. Misunderstandings among God's people. Here's what I want you to know. Misunderstanding among believers opens the door for division in God's family. Something so small can become such a dividing thing between two believers. But I'll tell you why I share this. Because if we can overcome misunderstandings, we can walk in unity, spiritual and emotional maturity, and reach the world. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty good plan to me. I want to have a flourishing life. How about you, right? I want to walk in a way that uh, I don't get easily uh, thrown off by misunderstandings. I know how to overcome it, right? So we've been taking this journey through 2 Corinthians. And what I love to do in anything is I love to start with the end in mind. The goal is like, okay, he's writing this letter. What's the point? What's, what's the end state? It says this. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. So Paul is writing to this church and he's saying, here's the goal. I want to see restoration of relationships. I want us to love one another, comfort one another, live in peace, etc. Why? Because a church, think amongst ourselves, Amongst ourselves, a church walking unified is extremely important to the kingdom of God. Extremely important. Highly underrated. You might say, give me an example. I got one for you. Jesus says this. It'll be right here behind me. John 17. He says, I do not ask for these only, talking about his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He says this. His big prayer his big like, this is what I asked the church to do, which is wild. He says that they may be one. God's t- Jesus' top list before he goes to the cross, he's like, I pray, and he does it over and over. I pray that they would be one. Then you see at the bottom of the verse, it says this, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I pray that you and I would be so one that people would know him who is sent, right? 
And so we talked about this in 1 Peter very briefly, but in 1 Peter, there's this thing he says, you are living stones, right? You are being built up into this symbol. The idea there is that each stone, though it's very unique, how the stones lay on top of each other have to be so perfect that nothing gets in between them or it puts to risk the temple at large. That the unity amongst us as believers should be in such a way that it cannot be shaken. So our oneness, how we all treat each other, how we love each other, how we're generous with each other, it's not just for us, it's for others. It's for those who don't know Jesus. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying, I want the church to be so one. Do you realize how Jeremiah, lead pastor, always prays about all the other churches in the valley? He's doing that for a reason. My apologies, I forgot. But like he's doing that for a reason that we would never be like, oh, that church or this church. Like, no, if you proclaim the gospel and we agree on the essentials, we're golden. The, sec- the, the secondary stuff, we don't need to fight about. We can have disagreements there. But listen, is Jesus Lord or not, right? There's a few others we can talk about, but not for today. And so the idea is that a church should live in such a way, our oneness should be so countercultural and wild that anyone outside of the church family should go, that's a family I want to be in. What are you guys doing? What drives you? What's your values, right? But one of the most common barriers to the picture that Jesus desires his church to be is simply misunderstandings. Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you are with me? Like, there's not a feeling I hate in the world more than being misunderstood. Anyone just absolutely can't stand being misunderstood. If you haven't been misunderstood, trust me, it's coming your way. And here's the interesting thing about being misunderstood. You can't be misunderstood without being criticized right? How many of you have gotten criticism that's absolutely crazy, unwarranted, and you're like, I am downright offended. Am I right? Anyone else? Cool. Absolutely can't stand being misunderstood. And so I'll tell you a light story. I have so many that come to my mind, but I'll I'll share one. And one was in my early 20s, I had this, I got this feedback, this criticism from somebody that said, Jared is arrogant Uh, and he thinks that he knows everything. And now notice, I didn't hear it from the person. I heard it through the grapevine to then come to me that this is now what this person's saying, right? To which I responded, first, I was like, absolutely not. Number one, have you been in my brain? Do you know how gray I see the world? Are you kidding me? I'm just defending myself. Like, truly though, if you see me at at the end of sermons, have you ever noticed, I really rarely tell you what to do. Because I really, like, everything is so nuanced and, like, takes wisdom, you know? And so to be like, here's the one thing, and this will will get you through your life, right? I see the world super gray. So that, I go, eh, it's not true. But anyway, I was super offended. I definitely didn't take the criticism well. And I think that Jesus is calling me, and I think anyone else who gets misunderstood to something better. But more on that later. So, it has to be a better way. So the beauty of the text, I tell you that whole story because Paul is going to be, is super empathetic to you and to I because the text that we're looking at today, today is about being misunderstood. So what Paul has said, what did we learn last week? What was the key word? Comfort, right? Said so comfort, 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 comfort. He's been going through a lot, right? And then he switches gears to address 
severe criticism he's got from some believers because he didn't show up to the church when he said he would. How many divisions between people could be from something so small as that? Happens all the time, right? Could be the weirdest thing. Didn't respond to a text right. Didn't do this right. Didn't do this right. All of a sudden, division, and it's like, why are we nuking our relationships over being misunderstood, right? So here's, here's what he says. He says this, uh, he, did, he did say it. He said, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I tend to pass through Macedonia. Perhaps, keyword, I will stay with you or even spend the winter, so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. And so Paul, for those of you who don't know, wasn't able to show up, and there are people in the church that are livid, right? And they start accusing him of being careless, uh, not having integrity, all the things, right? So Paul writes to address him here, 2 Corinthians 1.12. We can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have lived with a God-given holiness and sincerity in all our dealings. We've depended on God's grace, not our own human wisdom. That is how we've conducted ourselves before the world and especially towards you. Our letters have been straightforward. There's nothing written between the lines and nothing you can't understand. I hope someday you will fully understand us. And even if you don't understand us now, then on the day the Lord Jesus Christ returns, you'll be proud of us in the same way we're proud of you. Since I was so sure of like your understanding and trust, I want to give you a double blessing by visiting you twice. First on my way to Macedonia and again when I return from Macedonia. Then you could send me on my way to Judea. You may be asking why I changed my plan. Do I make, think I make my plans carelessly? Think I'm like the people of the world who say yes when they really mean no? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you doesn't waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you as God's ultimate yes. He, he always does what he says. For all the God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with our resounding yes and through Christ, uh, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. It is God who enables us along with you to stand firm in Christ. He's commissioned us. He's identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a first installment that guarantees everything that he's promised us. Now I call upon God as my witness that I'm telling the truth. The reason I didn't return to Corinth was to spare you from a severe rebuke. But that doesn't mean we want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. We want to work together with you so you'll be full of joy, for it is my own faith that you stand firm. So I decided that I would not bring you grief with another painful visit, for if I cause you grief, who will make me glad? Certainly not someone I've grieved. That is why I wrote to you as I did, so that when I do come, I won't be grieved by the very ones who ought to give me the greatest joy. Surely you all know that my joy comes from your being joyful. And I wrote that letter in great anguish with a troubled heart and many tears. I didn't want to grieve you, but I wanted to let you know how much love I have for you. So, like, have you seen, like, you can, can you see the tone? Uh, it's super real, right? Like, I mean, I never really took time to, like, really, I, I always remember the all promises of God, like, are in Jesus are yes and amen. But I never learned, like, what was actually happening and what was he writing to? He's getting criticism, and he's, like, just, he's providing a, a, a very humble response But why didn't Paul show up? He didn't show up, number one, because he wanted to spare them, but he also wanted to spare himself as his own heart couldn't endure another painful visit. And something I've learned is that 
You know, when you, when you in a, like a relationship, a friendship, as a leader, whatever the case is, if you really love someone, sometimes it, no, every time it really hurts you to give feedback on someone's blind spot. It just hurts. Like if you act, like if you're the part, person that's like, yeah, I just brutally tell the truth and I don't really care how the person feels. I'm like, well, you're probably not operating out of love. Like there, there actually is, Paul's saying here, like, I, like I, I, I just, I've given you such tough feedback. Like it pains me. And he's like, I don't want to come again because I don't want to do this again. Like I'm like, y'all are killing me with your division, right? But the people... They don't know any of that. All they know is, Paul, you said you would come, and you didn't. And all of a sudden, rather than to seek understanding, they start assassinating his character. They start filling in a narrative in the gap, and they start talking smack about Paul. And I just wonder how many of us are in that place right now. Like, how many of us because of a misunderstanding, we're filling it with, with garbage, assassinating someone's character, assuming that we know what actually happened when we don't have all the data, and next, next thing you know, creating division in God's family that does not need to be there. But I'll tell you this. I only say this like this straight and bluntly because I have been this person and still can continue to be this person if I don't wash my heart. If I don't watch my heart, it is very easy for me to go, yeah, I'm seeing, so A happened, I'm seeing the result C, uh, B probably was this. This is probably how it got here. And all of a sudden, like, that's all an expense to a person's character, what they're actually going through. And I'm making decisions and, and, and giving feedback on something that I actually don't know anything about. This happens to me all the time. People be like, hey, what do you think about this? I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm not in their meetings. I don't know what's going on. But, but sure enough, we all want to know what's happening. But sometimes you just got to live with the gap not knowing. Just got to be okay, right? And so there's two interesting parties in this text. There is a hurt party, the believers, that some of them are criticizing Paul. But there's also the misunderstood party, which is Paul. And no matter what, both of us will always fall into either of those two categories in life. It just will happen. So let's start with the hurt party. Now, we don't know exactly what they said, but because of Paul's response, we can kind of get an idea of some of the criticism they gave him. So he says this behind me, 2 Corinthians 1.12. He says, we dealt with all holiness and sincerity in all our dealings. He then says, uh, we have depended on God's grace, not our own human wisdom. And so if you think of this as a response, some of the criticism could have been, Paul, you're just not sincere in what you say. You're not sincere. Uh, they said, he says, I, w I don't dwell on, I'm not running on earthly wisdom. They could have said something like, man, you just make decisions in the flesh. You don't even consider God's ways when you're, when you're saying these things, Right? 2 Corinthians 1.17, Paul says, do you think I make my plans carelessly? Do you think I'm like the people of the world who say yes when they really say no? Maybe some of the feedback he got was, man, Paul, you just do whatever you want to do in the moment. You're so selfish. Like you just have FOMO, man. You, you give these promises, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, something better comes, and then you're off, right? 
he's getting these criticisms, and we see two things happening. We have hurt believers attacking someone unjustly, and then we have Paul getting slandered because of a misunderstanding. And I say this because, again, misunderstanding among believers opens the door for division in God's family. But the beauty is we can overcome misunderstandings and we can walk in unity, spiritual emotional maturity, and reach the world. And in order to overcome misunderstandings, there is a process in which both parties have to go through. You're like, what's the process? Glad you asked. There isn't necessarily a biblical term per se, but it is something that you see throughout the scriptures and when you decide to follow Jesus. One of the two most important things of our entire faith is what? The cross and the resurrection. Everything is dependent on the cross and the resurrection. And as you follow Jesus, you will be led in your life for things that in your life and mine will have to die in order that we can see a resurrection. Uh, said another way, there are some things that you and I need to lose in order to gain something. Reminds me of Jesus. He says, whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's the idea of we're going to have to lose some things in order to gain something, right? A couple examples. If we can take greed in our hearts to the cross, what gets resurrected is what? Generosity. If we can take uh, my will, I'm going to live my will for my life to the cross, what we can then open ourselves up to is God's will for my life, right? Uh, Said another way, if we take control and anxiety to the cross, what can be resurrected is surrender and peace in our hearts. This is why they call it, if you've never heard of this, the beautiful exchange, the great reversal, or the paradox of the cross, Who would have known the way to live in life is to go through a dying process first? So there are some things that both the hurt people and the misunderstood people can take to the cross when dealing with misunderstandings. But I will make this quick caveat. Before what I'm going to say, what I want to say is we're talking about misunderstandings among believers, not abuse. Abuse is a whole nother situation. That's a whole nother thing. Call the police, like say what's up. Like that abuse is never tolerated in God's family, straight up. However, misunderstandings are the things that divide us by a thousand cuts or the smallest thing that become a big thing. Am I right? How many of us have had relationships where it's like, what happened? And it was one little thing that opened the door for division. Okay, so to the hurt. If there is something that you can take to the cross, I would say this. Number one, give up your assumptions. Man, Paul said he's gonna be here. He's instant. Man, he said he was gonna be here. He's not. You know what? He's insincere. He's, he's not truthful. He just does what he wants. And all of a sudden, I started creating all these assumptions which further break the relationship. And out of hurt now, what do you wanna do when you're hurt? Respond. I wanna respond immediately to the person. But how many of you ever realized that responding out of hurt is never a a winning situation? In fact, if you feel the need to respond when hurt, my advice is you just got to chill. You you have to stop. Have, Have you ever responded out of hurt and then further nuked the relationship? I have. You just respond out of hurt We didn't take time to process, to pray, to seek and understand. Next thing you know, my response made it X amount worse, right? 
And so when I think about taking our assumptions and, uh, to the cross, one of the things I, can th- I think through is like, that feels like a dying process because it feels like something's amiss, right? Like, I want to fill in the gap here. I want to say what's up. But my, 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 my action item for this is what we need to do is actually pray a lot and then seek to understand. Here's something Proverbs says. In one, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. He said, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Can you imagine rewinding the scenario? Paul says he's gonna come to Corinth, ends up not coming. There's some people that are hurt, but they transform their hurt to say, they might write Paul, say, hey, I know you said you're coming. Like, is everything okay? Check, that would have been a nice response. Or Paul gets there at some point like, Paul, man, like, yo, I know you're trying to, like, how you been? As we read in 2 Corinthians 1, he goes, horrible. Been going through the worst time because of following Jesus, right? And all of a sudden, you'd be like, why am I so mad that he didn't show up? He's been going through a lot. He's been all over the place, right? It totally changes how we live relationally from the horizontal level. Next thing, uh, give up your unmet expectations, or said another way, crucify your unmet expectations. Paul, you didn't get here when you said you would. I expected you to be here. This is my expectation. I expect you to be here at this time. You weren't here. I'm still firm in my plans. I can't see anything else. I can't seem to be flexible. And you know what I realize is all relational problems typically boil down to unmet expectations. How many of you love when someone holds a bar of expectations of something you never knew about? You're like, all of a sudden, why are you so mad at me? Oh, because you're holding a bar of something I had no idea about. Isn't that feel so unfair? Yes, it does. It's terrible, right? But we all tend to do that. So understand, there's always gonna be a gap between what you expect and what you get, but you can choose, I can choose what we fill that gap with. So to the people who are criticizing, we've all been there. Have you ever considered you may not have all the data or background behind the person or situation you're criticizing? We would be a lot, we will be a one, a church that demonstrates this oneness if we can do like that. I'm just gonna withhold my judgment here and I'm just gonna let things shake out. Second thing, have you ever considered that your perspective may be a perspective and not the truth? Sometimes like uh, on the team that I work with, I have a perspective, someone has a perspective, we clash, but then we make something great. Just because it's our perspective doesn't mean necessarily it's the truth. It's always gonna be a gap, always gonna be a gap. So to the hurt, most importantly is take time to pray on it and then seek to understand. Now to the Pauls, my misunderstood people, the people that will feel this in the future if you're not feeling it today. Number one, ensure your conscience is clear. Paul says this, for our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience. When I'm getting criticism, when you're getting criticism, the most important thing you can do is go, God, is any of this true? No? Okay, great. I'm gonna keep moving forward. Or, God, is this true? Okay, out of the 100% of criticism, 97 is not it, 3% is. You know what? I can apologize for the 3%, right? I can do that to make sure horizontally the relationship is good. So if your conscience is clear, the way of the cross, if you will, is to give up trying to control the narrative. 
which I think is actually the hardest thing uh, in life in some cases. There is nothing worse than getting criticized for something that's untrue and then having to just take it and not try to control the narrative, defend yourself, make things worse. It's so incredibly difficult. But Paul is getting this criticism and he goes, hey, God, cool. All right, I'm gonna keep, keep it moving, right? Lastly is this. This one has helped me beyond belief. Keep an eternal mindset. Look at what Paul says. He says, just as you did partially understand us that on the day of the Lord Jesus you will boast of us as we will boast of you. And this is one of my favorite points by far and something that's super blessed me in the scripture is no matter how misunderstood and fractured relationships you might have among believers, at the end of the day, on the other side of eternity, we're all gonna be like, yes and amen, Jesus got us saved. Thank God. Yo, we were out there. We were lost, y'all. And God, thank you for saving us. We're gonna be boasting about each other even if there's beef right now. I didn't write that in my notes, but that was quotable. (laughs) Even if there's beef right now, we're gonna boast about each other. And that's been good for me because I've been through a lot of things, y'all. Been through a lot of things where people that you, I thought, man, like like what are we talking about here? Like that's some bad feedback, that's some bad criticism. But the nice thing is, is that the other side of eternity, even if things don't get fleshed out here, thank God on the other side, I keep this like this mindset now of like, you know what, at the end of the day, we're both about Jesus, and that's all that really matters. And there's some things in your life that I go, ah, man, I'm praying for healing there. Things in my life, they're praying for healing, whatever the case is. But hey, let's keep that eternal mindset. So ensure your conscience is clear. Kill your desire to control the narrative, which I might add is extremely difficult. Lastly, keep an eternal mindset because misunderstanding among believers opens a door for division in God's family. So this is where we'll land the plane. There is no better person in human history who has dealt with being misunderstood than that is Jesus. And so Jesus has this incredibly interesting... uh, encounter with this guy named Pilate as he is being put on trial. You know, when Jesus was arrested, he was delivered over to the Roman authorities and by his own people. And we start to read in the gospels this dialogue between he and this guy Pilate who has the authority to crucify him. He tells the crowd, Pilate says, I find no guilt in this man. Like, what, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they shout, not this man, release Barabbas who's an insurrectionist. He deserves what he's supposed to get, but Jesus decides by laying his life down to take his place. So Pilate sends Jesus to be flogged. Horrible, horrible suffering with a crown of thorns, with a a purple robe to chastise his kingliness, striking them with their fists saying, hail king of the Jews. Pilate then brings Jesus out to the crowd and he says, see, I'm bringing him out to you that you, I, you may know that I find no guilt in him. And then he says this, they, they start shouting, crucify him, crucify him. He says, take him yourselves and crucify him. Like, I want nothing to do with this man. And then the Jews answered this. It'll be behind me in John nineteen seven. We have a law 
and according to the law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. We have a law and an expectation of how God is supposed to show up, how someone is supposed to do something. He is now violating my expectation. So now I don't have all the data or even maybe I do and I don't wanna look at the truth. Now it's time to assassinate this man. When Pilate heard this statement, it says he was even more afraid. So Pilate goes back to Jesus and, and I just feel the desperation here. He's like, will you not speak to me? Do you not know I have the authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Like Jesus, talk to me. Like they're saying you did stuff, like defend yourself. Come on, man, like I have the power. And Jesus says the most shocking response. He goes, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above which always reminds me, if you are in any type of influential position, this verse is always a reminder, at least for me. You think you're awesome getting yourself there? Said you wouldn't even get there unless I gave you the authority to get there. And look at Jesus as he's misunderstood. What does he do? He has a clear conscience. He entrusts himself to the Father without trying to control the narrative. And he doesn't retaliate, but he chooses to love. And then on the cross, he says the most shocking thing. And if you are not a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you, how does a normal human being say what he said on the cross? And it's gonna be behind me. In the midst of all the criticism, the misunderstanding, the assassinating of his character, Jesus has the audacity to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do such a good reminder for us when we're being misunderstood, when people are saying whatever they're saying on social media. I know, I don't know, but I know there's drama in the room. I know there is. There's just drama. It's because of people problems, right? But he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive them? After all that they did and said to you and what? Yeah, because Jesus chose rather than to respond, he says, man, I'm going to choose to love them. I'm gonna to choose to love you and he's gonna to choose to love me. And shortly thereafter, this is one of my favorite parts. It says he gives up his spirit and something crazy happens. It says, behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. And all of a sudden the camera pans to a man standing in front of the cross. This man was a centurion. He was overseeing. He was, quote unquote, the leader, the manager of over 100, 100 Roman officials. And it says, and when the centurion who watched this event happen saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. A centurion who we don't know, but he really could have been a part of the crucifixion itself. He could have had, he had the authority to tell, hey, he's in the vicinity. It might've been the case. He might've said, hey, yo, tie him up here, drive the nails here. He's like, has this idea. Hey, we're just doing our thing. I'm just living my life. But all of a sudden he has this realization into who Jesus is. He says, whoa, 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 truly this man is the son of God. This is the man who came to take away the sins of the world. So how might we handle being misunderstood? We take the route Jesus took. We take the route Jesus took. 
Because when you follow Jesus, anything of a feels like a crucifixion always at some point will turn into a resurrection. That is our Savior's specialty. He has a specialty in turning things that are dead and making them alive. Now I'll end with this. No matter how misunderstood you felt by other brothers and sisters in the Lord, on the other side of eternity, just know that we're all gonna boast in each other. But even better, you never know. You walking in this manner like Jesus, it may actually reach someone like a centurion that you never thought was winnable. So what do I not want you to know? Misunderstandings, man, that just opens the door for division in God's people, but we can overcome it by the ways of Jesus so our church can walk in unity, emotional and spiritual maturity, and lastly, reach the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. I'll say this, Jesus, thank you. Thanks for leading the way. Thanks for uh, showing us how to live a life that truly is impossible, uh, but by the power of your spirit, it is. And so, Lord, I just ask in this moment, as we as a people are here, Holy Spirit, what do you want us to know? What do you want us to know about just the word? Holy Spirit, can you put a person on our mind, boldness to say what's up, a courage to, to maybe ask for forgiveness, whatever the case. But then, Holy Spirit, I just ask, uh, what do you want us to do? Lord, all our situations in this room and online, they're so nuanced. But Lord, you're the one that gives guidance. This is my sheep, hear my voice. Thank you, Jesus, for that truth. And I just pray, Lord, that uh, God bring resurrection in the midst of all divisions and the things seen and unseen. And thank you so much that all of us in our life have misunderstood you. And yet you still took it on and chose to love us anyway. And I pray for anyone in this moment, even as a follower of Jesus who misunderstands the Lord in maybe a certain situation, he didn't show up like I thought he would, remember that God is ultimately good and he cannot sin against you for he is holy and he cannot break his character. And so Lord, I pray that you give us a supernatural clarity for the hurt and supernatural clarity, oh gosh, for the pain. Lord, would you uh, just remove burdens off us in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to click the follow button and tune in next week for another great message.